running our best lap yet. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Oh, everybody here can quote it. Right. Is it up on the screen yet? Don't even look at the screen, but just, just quote it. Therefore, since we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That sounds brilliant. Isn't there something brilliant about the Word of God? It just brings life to us. Hey, that's what the Word does. So we, we know that from this whole series, it might seem like, I was, I was on the way here today, I thought, you know, we're coming up to the end of March. We're still on the same series. We haven't moved on. And on the way here today, I thought, I've got my message for two weeks' time already. I just know what I'm, God's just dropping more and more and more into our hearts as we go through this. And I think we're in it for the year, so we might as well get used to it. So let's buckle up. But in this, um, in this scripture, we know, and in this life, we know that there's an individual aspect that we each have our own, ra- own race to run, but there's also a corporate, because he's talking there in the plural, isn't it? Five, five or six times, actually, six times in that scripture is spoken in the plural, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, you know, run with endurance, the race that is set before us. So six times in that one verse, it speaks in the plural. But he's speaking here, the writer of Hebrews is speaking here about a race. And generally, a race is an individual event. It's not a team event. Normally, when when you're a runner, I'm not a runner, okay, but this is just what I think, and this is what I believe, and this is what runners have said to me, is that basically you're competing with yourself when you're a runner. When you're in a race, yes, you're competing with others, but really you're always trying to improve your your best time. What do they call it? Your your best time or something like that. What's it? Your best lap. That's right. There we go. You see what happened there, Sam? You, you know, the anointing was so strong, it just fed back there straight away. But, but anyway, so we're talking about it, but we're talking here about that there is an individual race for each one of us. And so this race that we're in is not just the 100-yard dash. It's a marathon. And Jesus Christ is our due north. And we're heading towards Jesus. He's our due north. We're all going in the same direction. And in Acts 20, verse 24, the Apostle Paul said, so that I may finish my race with joy. What a beautiful word. And we know that later on in Timothy, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. But he says in Acts 20, 24, he says, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, that I may finish my race. He owns it. He owns it. And we know that the Apostle Paul does finish his race with great joy. Even though he, he, he's, he's martyred, basically, he dies, but he finishes race with great joy. He accomplished all that God had for him. So Jesus ran his race, the Apostle Paul ran his, and we have ours. And we too need to be like the Apostle Paul, that we may finish my race. I'm going to finish my race. 
So we, with great joy, with great joy, and finish strong. In, in, in Philippians, the Apostle Paul says again, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And what does, that, what does that actually mean? I like it, what it says in the Passion. It says, make this new life fully manifested as you live. So in other words, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It means your salvation should be evident in every part of your life. Your salvation should impact every part of your life. Salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. That's not what it's about. Praise God that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but that's not all that it's about. It's about work out your salvation in this life now. And we don't work for our salvation. We're not saved by good works. We don't work for our salvation. Like Chris preached last week, how Jesus has paid the price. Jesus has paid the price. He's paid the full price for our salvation. So he's done a complete work for us. Jesus has done that. But we need to cooperate with God in this life. And, 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 and as we cooperate with God, he carries out that complete work in us. It's so important that we are conforming to the image of Jesus Christ. This is what it's all about, working out our salvation. So this is what running our race is all about. And throughout the Bible, talking about running a race, there are different emphases on that word race. Um, at times in the Bible, a race can mean a contest or a place of assembly. So you think, okay, that makes sense. That's what a race is all about. But also at times in the Bible, the word race can be used as a conflict or a struggle. That's what it can do. So in other words, life is not all plain sailing. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a promise. <laughs> I don't like that one so much. I like the victory ones and the breakthrough ones. But he says, in this world, you will have trouble. So life is not all plain sailing. So if we're going to finish our race, we're going to need heaps of endurance, loads of encouragement. And this is where the corporate aspect of running our race comes in. Yes, we have our individual race, but we have a corporate race as well. And Proverbs 18 verse 1 says that a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against all wise judgment. Now I'm preaching to the choir here today. You are all here. But those who isolate themselves, they seek their own desire. They rage against all wise judgment. We are not called to isolation. We are not called to isolation. This, I'm going to buy the CD, if this was a CD, and I'm going to distribute it worldwide. We are not called to isolation. We need each other. So even though we have our individual race to run, we need, we cannot do it on our own. We need it. We need each other. And Hebrews 10, 24, how profound that I'm preaching on this today. How profound. Hebrews 10, 24, verses 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how we may spur one another 
on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. People that are listening to this, not giving up meeting together. Did you get that? It's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. As some are in the habit of doing. Oh, this is painful. It's so good. But instead, encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day, capital D, approaching. Jesus Christ is coming back. You know what? We know, we don't know when the day is. Only the Father knows the time and the day. But he is coming back. All I know is, is that today is one day sooner than yesterday. Jesus is coming back. And he is the bridegroom and we are the bride. And the Bible says that he's coming back for a spotless, glorious church. The church is the bride of Christ. And Jesus is coming back for the bride, the bride of Christ, without spot, without wrinkle, and without blemish. That's got nothing to do with our age, but it's about our standing before God, that we are pure, we are white, we are like a bride. That's, what, that's how God sees the church. And Jesus is coming back for the bride. The bridegroom is coming back for the bride. And he says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another. Encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. It's so important. You cannot isolate yourself, especially in this day and age, especially in this time. We need each other. And I looked up one another in the Bible. I've got 200 scriptures, but I promise you I'll be brief. But listen to some of these. He says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. I'll give you the scriptures if you want them afterwards, but I'm just going to read them. We are called to admonish one another. We are called to care for one another. We are to serve one another. If you're in isolation, you cannot serve anybody but yourself. We are called to serve one another. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Bear with one another. Comfort one another. Edify, you're getting it, eh? Edify one another. Exhort one another. Have compassion for one another. Be hospitable to one another. You cannot be hospitable to someone who's not there. Be hospitable to one another. They've got to be there. Love one another. Oh, I had more, but I'll stop there, okay? So we know, we're talking now about the corporate, running our race corporately. And we know that the church is not a building. If you came in through the, whichever door you came in today, you wouldn't have seen a steeple on top of this building, praise God, you didn't. But the church is not a building. It's not even an event. The church is the body of Christ. I spoke about 
briefly about the bride of Christ, but the church is the body of, the, of Christ and Jesus is the head and we are the body. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27 says, honor Johnny, now you are the body of Christ and you look glorious this morning, like might, might, I might just add. You are the body of Christ and members individually. You're the body of Christ, members individually. And I'm going to read four scriptures from 1 Corinthians 12, one after the other. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members or many limbs, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. This is part of my body. My arm is part of my body. So I have these different members, but I'm still one body. And he's talking here about, so also is Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 14 says, For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. 1 Corinthians 12 20. But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And in verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. I like that. So there are many members, but we all have our own individuality. We maintain our individuality. You know, we don't all dress the same, look the same. We, we, we have our own individual, we have our own little isms, you know, about us, our little quirks. But in 1 Corinthians 12, just between verses 12 to 27, the word members is spoken of 10 times, the word body is spoken of 18 times, and it speaks so, and so we know that repetition make, is equal to significance. God is trying to say something here. It's very important. 10 times, 18 times, in just a matter of a few verses. It's very important. He's highlighting something. So the church is not a building. It's not an event. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, and we are the body. And we are one body with many members, with many limbs. There's different aspects to the body of Christ. Every part, every limb has a part to play. There is not one that is redundant. There's no redundancies in the kingdom, not one. And like the human body, each part is important and has a part to play. It serves a purpose, every single part of the body. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 15 to 16, the Bible says in this particular account, it says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Question. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? It is of the body. Just because it says that, it doesn't mean that it's true. If the foot should say, I'm, I'm not a hand, to me that speaks of exclusion. If the foot thinks, well, I, I don't quite fit. It's, it talks about exclusion, feeling not fitting in. I'm not the same as everyone else. Praise God you're not. Praise God we are all individuals. Praise God for diversity. Oh, can you imagine what it would be like if we were all the same? I mean, it would be so boring. 
if we all thought the same, acted the same, spoke the same, I mean, ah, that would have been terrible. But praise God for diversity. So this feeling of exclusion, I don't, I don't fit in. Don't believe that lie. Don't believe the lie. You do fit in, and there's, a, there's always room at the table. There's always room at the table. But you come into the body with your own uniqueness, with your own gifting, and you become an essential part of the body. You're, you're an individual with your own quirkiness. And I won't look at anybody in the eye when I say that. But with that diversity, there needs to be unity. There needs to be unity. So the principle is diversity and unity functioning together. It's diversity plus unity. And then again, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, maybe I don't fit in. But also stay away from the comparison game. Don't get caught up in that comparison game. Um, um, Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. It's the thief of joy. Be content with who you are. Be content. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Be content. God has made you on purpose, with a purpose. And be content with that. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 17 says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? Well, I mean, just thinking about this, if we were all just one big eye, that would be the cyclops. You know, that's that one-eyed monster. We're not a monster. The, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, is glorious. She's beautiful. She's glorious. But if we just were one eye, I mean, that would be weird. It would actually be gross. When you think about it, just this big fat eye. Ugh, and imbalanced. Totally imbalanced. Out of balance. If we were all just an eye, all we did was see. Oh my word, that's terrible. It's not even worth thinking about. But we need to have balance. We need to have harmony. We need the ears. We need the mouth. We need the nose. We need, the, we need every part of us. Every part of the body of Christ is important. So if you're a hand, reach out and touch. If you're a heart, pump. Okay? If you're an eye, see. If you're an ear, hear. If you're a leg, walk, stride, run. If you're a shoulder, carry. There's a part to play for everybody. If you're a stomach, digest. I mean, with this, we won't go into more detail. But if you're a brain, think. There's nothing wrong with being a Christian with a brain. It's true. Sometimes we think, oh, we can become a born-again Christian. We're very spiritual. Praise God for that. But we still have a brain. We need to engage our brain. So our body, like the body of Christ, our bodies can't function without all our limbs. I mean, Wayne, you do um, um, all these things to do with medical knees and hips and things like that. He works with it firsthand. He knows what it's like to do all these replacements. And, um, but all our, all our parts of our body are interdependent. You can't just have a knee up 
on your hip unless something goes horribly wrong. So we, we need to make sure that we're in the right place. But you are crucial. No matter what part of the body you are, whether you're the mouth, the ear, the eye, the, the, the shoulders, you are crucial to the body of Christ. Say that. Say that. I am crucial to the body of Christ. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you are crucial to the body of Christ. Now go to your second your second favorite neighbor. No, just kidding. <laughs> your second choice of a neighbor. But, um, but you're crucial to the body of Christ, regardless of the part that you play. You are crucial. So unity depends on being who you were created to be, functioning in harmony within the body. So if you're, in a, if you're a kidney, be a kidney. Okay, if you're a hand, be a hand. But function, the health of the church, this is big on family church's um, agenda, is we're looking at the health of the church. And the health, a healthy church is not necessarily, praise God, I can say this with absolute clarity, is not dependent on the size. It's, you can have a room full of people that are, might not even be going to heaven, that, that, that are so far removed from the kingdom of God. The, 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 the health of the church is so dependent on functioning within our diversity, the diversity that is yours. Not trying to be who you're not. Don't try to be something that you're not, but be the best you that you are. You know, you think about the animal kingdom just as a metaphor. If you're a duck, okay, you aren't, but if you were a duck, you know, what do ducks do? They quack, thank you, and they swim, okay? That, that, that's what they do. They quack and they swim. They can fly, but have you seen a duck fly? It's really awkward, and they splatter water as they fly. It really is not a pleasant sight to see a duck flying. They can do, they can fly, but they thrive quacking and in swimming. If you, you know, a rabbit, what does a rabbit do? Hops, nibbles, that's, that's about it, you know, but a rabbit doesn't fly. A rabbit doesn't swim. Maybe it can swim. I've never seen one swim, but maybe it can swim. Maybe it won't drown. I don't know. Somebody tell me that. I, I'm open to suggestions, but, but the rabbit does what he's what he's designed to do. He hops and he nibbles. The duck quacks and swims. And the same for us. What has God designed you to do? If you're the shoulder, be the shoulder. If you're the mouth, be the mouth. But be the best you that God has made you to be. And stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Do what God has designed you to do. Now, but I, that's coming with a caveat. It doesn't mean that you don't grow. You must always be open to growing. Be willing to grow, like that duck. The duck is best in water, quacking and swimming, but he can fly. He does fly. So sometimes part of, your, part of being in the body is a stretching process. It's doing things that you don't really enjoy or things that you never thought you would do. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, just a section of it. It says, we should no longer be children 
You know, as a child, you, when, you, when you're a child, you stick to what you know best and you do best. But we should no longer, Paul is saying this, we shouldn't be, no longer be children. It's time to grow up. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. My word, you just have to watch YouTube. Don't do it. Okay, because there's so much mumbo jumbo out there, but you can just get carried away by every wind of doctrine. Grow up. Stick to the word. What's the word say? Grow up into all things. But in verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up, there we go, in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Maybe you're a hip joint, maybe you're an elbow joint, maybe you're a knee joint, an ankle joint. Whatever every joint supplies, according to the effect of working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What a fantastic scripture. We, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. You know what? Personally, I can speak from my own experience. When I first got born again, um, I, I'm actually quite a shy person, believe it or not, but I am, well, no, no one believes me, but I am shy. I'm a very shy person. And um, the thought of public speaking actually made me physically sick, physically ill, and, and praying in public, forget it, forget it. And what did God do? He made me head up a prayer group in Bible college with these people that were in second year when I was only in first. I had to lead them in a, in a prayer group. It's like, no, you've got the wrong person. But God will sometimes throw you into the deep end and you just got to sink or swim like that duck. Sink or swim, baby, but you're going to grow. We've got to grow up into all things in Christ. And sometimes growing up can be uncomfortable. I mean, Chris, while, while, Johnny, while Johnny was performing at the school, not, he, was in a, he, was in a, he was in a play. He wasn't just performing, performing. He was in a play. And Chris had to learn how to work AV. We don't know how to do it. We've just had to just get on with it, do it. And it was clunky and he made mistakes, but so what? We're all alive, half the church is left, but it doesn't matter. We're still here. <laughs> so we, we're going to run our race. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what it takes. We get up at 6.30, 5.30, boil kettles, make tea for hospital. Who can boil a kettle? Guess what? Guess what? You qualify. You qualify. That's it. That's all it takes. And just looking at a perfect example within the church, uh, within the Bible, actually, a perfect example of every part playing their, playing, playing, playing their part in the body of Christ is the account of Mary and Martha. Really? Mary and Martha is a good example. You know what? I think Martha has been given such bad press. This poor woman, she is always, you know, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, Martha is busy serving. And everybody says, Mary has, well, Jesus said, Mary has chosen the good part and it will not be taken from her. But what Martha was doing was also just as necessary. What, it was just as essential. And in fact, 
you know, and because Mary gets all the accolades, but she was seeking first the kingdom of God. But so was Martha. Martha was the one who welcomed Jesus into her home. And then Mary went and sat at his feet. But both are needed. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? They both needed. It's not a matter of either or. It's both and and. We need both. We need Mary's. We need Martha's. I know we've got a few Martha's. She's sitting in the back row. But, but we need Mary's as well. We need Mary's. And sometimes there's part of us that is Mary. You know, you put me into a worship service. Uh, you know, I can be the most spiritual Mary ever. You know, just melting in a puddle with the presence of God. I just, I'll be in tears. I'll whatever, you know, repenting, just enjoying the presence of God. But there's another part of me, it's like, well, the banners aren't 100% accurate, you know, they, the tea and coffee could be a little bit more in the middle, you know, and it's just a bit of a Martha uh, a mentality. But they, neither of them is right and neither of them is wrong. We need both. We need both. And, and just looking at the account of Mary and Martha, these are two sisters. They're not enemies. And it's important to remember this, that because we've got a Martha and because we've got a Mary, they're not enemies. But it's important that we, we, we celebrate both. But what's, I think what is needed is we need both in the church. That's what's needed. So, and and uh, how can I come into land? Even when, when, when Lazarus had died, Another account with Mary and Martha, when Lazarus had died, Martha ran out to greet Jesus. Mary stayed at the house and wept. But there again, Mary, Mary was hospitable and she was generous. Those are two aspects of this woman that, we, that, we, that always has so much bad press about. But she was hospitable, she, saw, she, she looked after Jesus' needs, and she was so generous. So... There's place for both in the body of Christ. We need both. So the church, an important thing to remember is that the church is not just a community. It's not just a community. You hear what I'm saying? It's not just a community. We are a spiritual organization. We are a spiritual organization. We are spirit beings. Man is a spirit, he has a soul, and we live in a body. We are a three-part being. But we are not just going to be spiritual at the expense of being practical. We cannot. You know what? We cannot just arrive at this hall on a Sunday morning and say, okay, we're not going to put anything out. Today, we're just going to wait on God. Okay, and that's good. We could do that. We can do that. But there are also other aspects to waiting on God. We need to be hospitable, like Martha. Give a person a drink, at least, or a biscuit, or something. Let's look after the kids. Let's not just look after them, but let's train up those children in the way they should go. Let's be, let's, let's be an encouragement to our kids. And when I just think of... Um, of, of, um, of God, the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, you know, the disciples were in the upper room, and there the disciples are 
praying and worshipping God, and the Holy Spirit becomes a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And the disciples are filled. They're baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And, um, and the people that were standing by thought they were drunk because there was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And you just go way back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, the Holy Spirit hovered upon the face of the deep and he brought back, he brought out order. The Holy Spirit brought out order out of darkness. So whether it's outpouring or order, same God, same Holy Spirit, but we've got to be sensitive to both. So be like the Apostle Paul who wrote, who wrote that, who said that account in Acts verse 20 verse 24, that I may finish my race. There is a race for each and every one of us. Amen.